You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey, disciple-making people, good to see you today. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so very much for being a part of this movement of life-changing discipleship. Now, remember, the place for a man, for a woman, completing all their powers is in the disciple-making fight. And right now, today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nation. So stay tuned, stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. All right, y'all, it's been some time since we did this, but what I have been trying to do over time is go through the books of the Bible and suggest to you disciple-making tips from that book into our lives. So some disciple-making dynamics from, say, the book of Job, which is what we did last time we did this. It's been a little, little time since we did this, but now we're up to the book of Psalms. And so I'm, doing, I'm trying to do a little writing on Psalms right now, just how it has impacted my life devotionally and trying to wrap that up into a volume. I haven't said that. I just thought that would be a good idea for us to get into. And so we we just want to remind you that uh, each book of the Bible has important things to add into our lives, to uh, to suggest to us how we can make disciples that will make disciples that will make disciples. So if you're interested in disciple making, I would invite you to go get the book. You can get it at amazon.com. Just type in 5Q Discipleship. The 5Q method of discipleship, it'll be under my name, Matt Friedemann. Highly recommend it to you. But there are other lots of other resources there under my name. We've just written a, a new book, a brand new book called The Doctrine of Good Works. I work with that with my son, Caleb, and a friend of mine, Tom McCall. We also have a great volume called The New Discipleship in the Home. So if you got young kids in the house, this is the book for you. It'll help you substantially. Uh I, I do want to inform you about something new I started just this week. It's called a Substack. Have you ever heard of Substack? Yeah, Substack is just, uh, you can subscribe to it and I will be delivering something about once a week or so, just an article or a perspective. It'll come right to your email. Uh, so you can go check it out, Substack. I'm at, just, you know, go to Substack and, and write in the name Matt Friedman and it'll take you right to uh, our perspectives there. Just let you know about those kind of things. And also want to let you know about Wesley Biblical Seminary. Boy, we're doing great this year. We've got so many disciples in our, in our classes and just remind you, we've got a college now. We've got uh, master's programs, uh, the basic, which is the master's of divinity. We've got a doctorate program. So a lot of really good. We got a lay program called the Wesley Institute. You can check all of that stuff out at wbs.edu. Now, I'm about ready to do something that's almost impossible, and that's give you five disciples. I'm going to limit myself to five things out of the Psalms that will probably help you make disciples, and it will give you a little uh, 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 evidence of the sort of things that ought to be built into the life of your disciple. So we're just, you know, and by the way, this is, I'm limiting myself to five. Almost assuredly, you will be able and should critique this list. Now that's true of everything we ever do here on the podcast, but you're going to be able to say, 
I don't know. I think there's a better idea. And almost assuredly, it, <laughs> almost assuredly, it will be a better idea. So just uh, just know that these are five things sort of, uh, you know, I haven't spent a week studying this or anything, but I, I've spent a good bit of, because every, every, uh, every day I'm in the Psalms. I'm into between five and 15. I'll do a season of my life just doing five Psalms a day. And then another season of my life where I'll do 15 a day. And so I, I just got off about a two-year cycle of doing 15 a day. And uh, and now I'm doing, uh, I'm doing, by the way, that gets you through the Psalter three times in a month. Five a day will get you through the Psalter uh, about once a month. And so I love the Psalms. They speak into my life. Uh, they help me to concentrate on the things I think Jesus wants me to concentrate on. So having said that, we are here going to be talking about five discipleship uh, recommendations from the Psalms. First one is this, God's word is important. Now, I know you know that. I know we all know that, but we've always got to get back to the word, not because the word trumps God, but that is where we get our clear picture of the Lord. And if you want to know what it's like to be holy as he is holy, you're going to find out through the word of the Lord. Now, they they call Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 the gateway to the Psalms, all of them, because most of the major themes are going to be in those two Psalms. But this major theme is definitely there. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord or the Lord's instruction. And on that, he meditates day and night. There's something supernaturally powerful about this word of God, about the law of the Lord, about his instruction for our lives. And you need to be spending every day in that book. You need to be teaching from that book. You need to be discipling from that book. You need to be preaching from that book. It's that book because there's something holy about it. You bet it's holy. And it talks to us about how we can be holy, even as God is holy. Uh, have you have you heard about the power of four? It's a study. I, I may have already mentioned on this program, but boy, can't mention it enough. The power of four. Study of 400,000 Christians between the ages of eight and 80 from 24 countries. And this is what they found out. There's a, there's a huge divide between being in the word three times or less versus four times or more. And they did a study to sign out what is the difference. So four times or more versus three times or less. And there seems to be quite the divide between three and four here. But I want to be in it every day. I don't want to say, hey, let me just limit it to four because of this study. I want to be in it every day. And I think my being in the word every day makes a difference, a supreme difference in my life and the lives of those people I have an opportunity to touch. But having said that, this is what it says. Exposure to the word four times or more means this. 59% less likely to view pornography. 30% less likely to be lonely, 74% less likely to gamble, 40% more likely to memorize scripture. But then this, 228% more likely to share your faith and 231% more likely to disciple other people. Now, that's just some of the statistics out of this, uh, this study. I would suggest to you simply this, getting in front of that word. And the God of that word is powerful so that if you pray every day and you read scripture and study scripture and memorize scripture and meditate on scripture, it will make a huge difference in your life and in the life of your disciples. 
The other place I'd go for, hey, make sure God's word is primary in your life is Psalm 119. Now, this is, <laughs> I, I think this is where the, the Psalter just basically trying, we don't even know who did this. Maybe David, maybe somebody else, but it's like he's having fun with the whole concept of God's word. Because in here, there are eight basic words for the law of the Lord. And uh, they show up about at least six, if not more, will show up in every single one of these paragraphs. And the paragraphs are geared to the Hebrew alphabet. So Aleph, Beit, uh, Gimel, uh, or the ABC of the, uh, ABG in this case, but ABCs of, of the Hebrew alphabet. And every one of these verses will start with that particular letter. So in verses one to eight, every one of those verses start with Aleph. 9 through 16, every one of those verses start with Bet. Uh, 17 through 24, every one of those verses will start with Gimel. And on it goes through the Hebrew alphabet. But just about every one of these paragraphs will have six to eight terminologies for the word. For instance, uh, Gimel, which is the third paragraph, and every one of these verses are geared to that letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It starts with that letter. But it says this, uh, deal generously with your servant that I might live, then I will keep your word. So that's going to be one of the words in Psalm 119 that's so incredibly important, keeps keeps being dropped into Psalm 119. But then this word, instruction, and then this one, commands, judgments, decrees, statutes, over and over and over again. These are the terminologies that come out of Psalm 119. I will remind you that Psalm 119 has 22 paragraphs and 176 verses, uh, a huge, long chapter, and it all comes down to his word. What I love about this, it uses the same word that Psalm 1 does, that is the word delight. Your decrees are my delight and my counselors. Y'all, not only should you take God's word seriously and your disciples learn to take God's word seriously, but you ought to find great delight in that word. That's the first thing. So discipleship lesson number one is take very, very, very seriously the word of the Lord, God's word, his holy Bible, the scriptures. So that's lesson number one. Number two is this. Trust him in times of trouble. I mean, you're going to have times of trouble. When you do, just know the Psalter is for you, the Psalms, because the Psalms seem to be frequently all about trouble. That's not all, but 65 of the 150 Psalms are what they call laments. In other words, really, really hard times. And it's the Psalmist crying out to God in hard times. If you're going through hard times, this is the volume you need to be in just about every day of your life. And I would recommend that to you. Every day of your life, you ought to be in the Psalms. But the, 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 one of the key reasons is times of trouble. There cometh adversity. And you need to lean on God's strength and protection, and you need to lean on his hope. Now, there's 65 of these Psalms out of 150. Almost half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. But it, I'm thinking about where we could even go to describe this to you. Uh, one of the places I'm looking at is like, I don't know, Psalm 14. It, it just talks about, man, there's sinners in the world. And it's hard, Lord, with these sinners in the world. Let me read this to you. Psalm 14. The fool says in her heart, there's no God. They're corrupt. They do vile deeds. There's no one, no one who does good. 
Well, Yahweh, the Lord, looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there's one who is wise, one who seeks God. No, all have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. Everybody. There's no one who does good, not even one. So this is a lament. It keeps going. Will evildoers never understand? They consume my peoples. They consume bread. They do not call on the Lord. Then they're going to be filled with dread. For God is with those who are righteous. You sinners frustrate the plans of the oppressed. But the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that Israel's deliverance would come from Zion. When the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. So there's this lament, but it points forward to the day when God will take care of business. And y'all, you just need to know, if you're in trouble, if you are in distress, if there is adversity in your life, if there are people that hate your guts, guess what? There's a God out there that cares and a God out there that wants to take care of you in your predicament. So five discipleship lessons from Psalms. The first one is simply take the word of the Lord very seriously. Number two, times of trouble are coming and God wants you to concentrate on him in those times of trouble. Number three, trust. We always said the word trust. Let me say it again, trust. That seems to be a huge issue uh, in the Old Testament because what happened to both Israel and Judah? Remember, they had civil war, and there's a northern kingdom and southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom is lost to Assyria. We don't really hear them again. The southern kingdom gets exiled to Babylon, and that's, by the way, where we think they put together the Psalter. Let's start putting it together in Babylon. When we get back and rebuild the temple, these are the songs we will sing to the Lord on a regular basis. And one of the songs we want to sing is the songs of trust, because we too often trusted other gods. We trusted other nations. We trusted other perspectives, but we've got to hunker down. And when we get back to the rebuilt temple, we must make sure we're singing regularly about putting our trust and our trust alone in Yahweh and in Yahweh alone. So here it goes. So, uh, like Psalm 37, trust, trust in Yahweh. Do good, dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture, take your delight in the Lord. Guess what? He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him. Trust in him. He's going to do it. Y'all, there's all kinds of things we can put our trust in. Some of us are putting our trust in our family. And listen, I love my family, but ultimately my trust has got to be in something more than them. Uh, I'm saving up right now, as are a lot of people for retirement. And I uh, got me a 401k and a 403b and I'm, I'm, I'm dumping money in there. But the Lord would have me to know you cannot put your trust in your retirement savings. You need to put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in America, Matt. Don't do it because America has, has risen. America will fall maybe on your watch, but it's, it's going to rise. It's going to fall as will other nations rise and fall. And you need to make sure you put your trust, not in me or, or not in America, but in me and me alone trust in my faithfulness to which I think we all ought to say amen and amen and amen. So first, first discipleship lesson, God's word, take it very seriously. Number two, times of trouble are coming and this 
Salter is great for times of trouble. And that's when we can say, hey, God wants our total attention in this time of trouble. Number three, trust. We must be sure we trust in him and in him alone. There's so many other options to put our trust in. No, we put our trust in God. And then fourth, this is a great, I think most people think that this is really why you turn to this altar. And I would, if you're going to make the case, I'll stand with you. We, uh, we love the Psalms because they help us to pray and to worship. Uh, again, Psalm 95, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the God, our maker. He's our God. We're the people of, of his pasture, the flock under his care. And so it does, it helps you to praise. Uh, frequently I'll say, be loud in that praise. Uh, frequently will say, hey, bring some instruments to the table. <laughs> I, I love that. In fact, the last Psalm here is hallelujah, praise God in his step. And then it says, apparently every single instrument in the Hebrew orchestra and the Jewish orchestra is brought to the table. Praise him with trumpet blast, praise him with harp and lyre, praise him with tambourine, praise him with dance, dance, praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with the resounding symbols. Praise him with clashing symbols. I, I kind of wonder, maybe with some study I would know, but I wonder if a resounding symbol is different than a clashing symbol. Nonetheless, bring every instrument you can and let's praise him with those instruments. Then I love this, uh, verse six, the last verse of the Psalter. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. And I got a friend next door here at the seminar who says, that actually says in the Hebrew, let everything, let it says, let all breath. I like that. Matt, I don't know how many times I could look this up too. I guess we could all Google it. How many times you're going to breathe in and out today? Let every one of those breaths praise me. So does the Psalter help us to praise? Does it ever help us to praise? And I'm just thinking, Lord, I, I, I want to I use your language for praise. And so to go into the Psalter and just say, let's use all these wonderful words, magnify and extol and exalt and to ask God to, to rise up and just beautiful things. So uh, just become great worshipers of Almighty God and the Psalms will help you exceedingly to do just that. The fifth thing, the last thing I'm going to share with you, and remember, I only got five. I'm, I'm trying to limit myself to five on all these books of the Bible, five discipleship tips from the Psalms. The fifth one would be, hey, the Psalms ought to make us want to repent. That is change our lives. That's what repentance means in the, in the Greek is metanoia. It's change, right? Change your mind, change your heart, change your, change your thinking, but change your direction of your life. I want you to repent and I want you to know my forgiveness. My favorite Psalm to go to for this and my favorite Psalm, by the way, to take out to the prison. I love taking Psalm 51 out to the prison because there, as you know, the uh, the context for Psalm 51 is there David has committed egregious sin. His guys are out fighting. He decides, let me take a walk. He sees this woman Bathsheba. He says, I want some of that. Bring her over here. And so they have sex. She gets pregnant. That means David's got to get busy and say, now what am I going to do? Finally, what he does is he goes to his one of his mighty men. And he destroys him. He kills him, murders him, basically. I mean, he sets up the murder for him at any rate. And th then the baby comes, the baby dies. And then, uh, so, so you got uh, adultery, you've got uh, murder, you've got a dead baby on your hands. And basically you think you've got away with it. And then comes the prophet. 
who sticks his bony finger in David's chest and says, you didn't get away with it. God knows about it. I know about it. And you need to know that we know about it and you need to repent. And that's Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 is in four parts. Number one, it talks about blotting out my sin, blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt, cleanse me from my sin, purify me, wash me, blot out my guilt. And God can do that. And that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful articulation of one part of the gospel. God can clean you up, but it doesn't keep us there. He wants to do more than simply make us clean. And that's why I like to go out to the prison with this. God can clean you up and they're all for it. Woo. Yeah. I want to be clean. I want to blot out my sins. He says, okay, he can do that. He wants to do that. He can do it now, but something else. Then he wants to take you to the next level. And it's God create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore the joy of your salvation. Sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David saw firsthand what happens when the Holy Spirit leaves a man. He saw what happened to Saul. Basically, Saul went crazy. He lost his composure. He went nuts. And David says, don't want that to happen to me. But I love verse 10. God create. Now, that is the word that's used in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. Same word. God create in, in me a clean heart. And it seems like David's saying, I don't want you to work with the heart of God. I want you to give me a new heart. Give me a new heart. So create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit. And so I love to tell the prisoners, listen, it's a great thing to be clean, but he wants to do something more than make you clean. He wants to give you a new heart, a new direction, a new perspectives. But that's not enough. Then comes verse 13. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways. My tongue will sing. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. I want to tell other people about it. And y'all, that is a great discipleship lesson right there. It's not enough that you have an experience with the Lord. He wants you to make sure that experience is on your lips. You're telling other people about it because when that happens, that not only strengthens them as perspective to their life, it strengthens your path of discipleship. So, there you go. Number one here in Psalm 51 is blot out. Number two is creating me a clean heart. Number three, then I'll open up my mouth and tell other people about it. But then this, what is a sacrifice of God? This, David says, you don't want to sacrifice or I'd give it. You're not pleased with the burnt offering because a sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit, a broken and a humbled heart. So he says, I want to worship you well. With a broken and humbled heart, I want to worship you. But more than that, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings, bulls will be offered, but this, then you will cause Zion to prosper and build the walls of Jerusalem. Who's going to build the walls? God. But who will use? Yeah, he'll use me. He'll use me, David. He'll use the people who work underneath me. He will use us to build these walls walls. So four movements here in Psalm 51. Number one, blot out. Number two, create. Number three, I want to be a witness to it all. And number four, I want to worship and work for you the rest of my life. Listen, it's important that we know how to get in right standing with God. And Psalm 51 is pretty comprehensive at that point. So there you have it, folks. 
I, I love the Psalms. I'm in the Psalms every day. You ought to be in the Psalms every day. I think you ought to use Psalms to pray and get you deeper into a life of worship. And boy, has it ever paid dividends in my life across the last couple of decades. So the discipleship lessons from the book of Psalms, number one, <laughs> prioritize God's word. Number two, times of trouble are coming. Make sure you are seeking your refuge in him when they come, putting your concentration in him. Remember, number three, you're always going to have lots of things to trust in. Make sure you are trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit for your life in the Lord. Number four, use the Psalter for prayer and for worship. It will lead you deeper than you ever imagined you could go. And number five, remember at the end of the day, repent, keep changing all the rest of your life and you are forgiven. How can we get in right staying with him? Repentance and forgiveness. There you have it, friends. <laughs> I love the Psalms and I hope you will get in them, use them for a discipleship tool for your life and a discipleship tool for the disciples that you are you are building your life into. And let me just say, I've made some career goals for myself. Uh, you know, I'm on kind of the back end of my career. From now until the day I leave this seminary, what are some of the goals I have? And one of them is I want to get my students fired up about the Psalter, fired up about the book of Psalms for their life in the Lord. And I, I, I have that same desire for you all. Get into it, y'all. You will be so very, very glad that you did. All right. It's a wrap. It's been an honor to have you listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast with Matt Friedemann. Hey, make sure to check out that new Substack page, okay? Matt Friedemann on Substack. You can subscribe to it, and I really like for you to subscribe to it. Remember, check out those books, uh, The 5Q Method of Discipleship and the new Discipleship in the Home. And always, always tell others about our podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you. My daughter thanks you. My sons and their wives, thank you. And I can assure that I thank you for listening to Life-Changing Discipleship today. Love God, live clean, keep the faith, make disciples, and God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon. <music>